My name is Nate, the host of Rooted in Revelation, where we aim to make God's revelation our foundation in mind, desire, and will. Well, I welcome you once again. This is my second episode uh, in this podcast where I get together with a good friend of mine named Nick, uh, who also recently just started a podcast called In Him where he seeks to develop and help us better understand the things, uh, the songs we sing in worship. Uh, so he plans on kind of developing this really cool idea, I think, of being able to equip us with understanding a little more about the songs we sing in our churches. He'll give us some history and some and some theology of the different hymns that we find ourselves singing in church, which I think is pretty exciting, and I really look forward to it. So uh, without further ado, I welcome you to this second episode. I hope you enjoy. God bless and continue to support and follow my podcast. It's much appreciated. Thanks to all the likes. Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, a Facebook page has now been established. I'm working on the YouTube, although I might not do the uh, video for quite a bit of time until I'm able to afford that kind of material. But in the meantime, we're going to stick with uh, stick with the audio. Uh, so I hope you guys are okay with that. Anyway, like I did just say, without further ado, well, I'll say it again, without further ado, enjoy this conversation that I have with my buddy Nick about podcasting and what we plan on doing with them and answering some questions about what our podcasts are. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Are you uh, recording now? or? I'm... Uh... Hi, my name is Nick, and this is Rooted in Revelation. I'm here with my good friend, Nate Burns, the creator of the podcast. How are you, Nate? Good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Nate and I wanted to get on here and do a podcast about podcasting. Why podcast and what do we hope to achieve from having podcasts? So um, I think we can just get started with that, Nate. Uh, what what inspired you to create Rooted in Revelation? Yeah, that's a good question, Nick. Um, I think what it's inspired me to create my own thing is just kind of my obsession and and how I'm just so captivated by what other people are doing and and how beneficial and helpful other podcasts have been in my life and in, and in my growth as a Christian whether it be the more practical aspects of Christian discipleship or if it be more along the lines of like intellectual, maybe like deeper theological or philosophical concepts that other people have really helped me start to grasp. Not that I don't consider myself a super smart person, but like it's been very helpful, I think, in general towards my spiritual growth, whether it be in my mind or whether it be in my heart podcasts have always, you know, played a big role in that. And it's been very helpful for me. 
Uh, so yeah, it's it's inspired me to want to kind of put out content for people I know, and then hopefully people that I'll get to know in the future that will listen. Um, yeah, and I just part of it too, I think, is a little selfish, <laughs> but it kind of puts me in a position where it's like, okay, I gotta learn, I gotta think, I gotta put out episodes. And I think it'll be good for me to grow as well. And just to have people come along that journey with me, um, I think it's exciting and I look forward to it. And I think that's probably some of the biggest aspirations I've gotten from others is just wanting to, wanting to continue to grow and help other people do the same. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So let me ask you a question. You mentioned that you've grown quite a bit from listening to different podcasts. Um, I think one of the benefits to having so much opportunity to listen to so such a wide audience of people um, is that you can learn information from people who specialize in all these different topics that wouldn't exist in the local church. So I know that you personally prioritize the local church and you can benefit externally from these other guys outside of the local church as well, which is awesome. What would you say are your top three podcasts that you've benefited from since your time being a Christian? Oh man, top three. That's, that's a good one <laughs> because it all kind of depends on what, but I mean, off the top of my head, probably my top favorite podcast would one, it would probably be Reformed Form uh, with Camden Busey and his guests, Lane Tipton and them guys um, over there. Shout out to them if they ever hear this randomly. Uh, but yeah, their their uh, podcast has been super helpful. They just talk a lot about, um, you know, just Reformed theology and the deeper Protestant conception. And they kind of just talk more about things um, a lot with, like, biblical theology, with, like, Jihardis Voss, if you guys have ever heard of someone like that. Um, he was a Dutch theologian and biblical scholar in the earlier 1900s. And then you have like Cornelius Van Til, who is like a Dutch philosopher, theologian uh, as well. And they kind of just want to carry on the legacy of those two guys and their podcast. And they do a really great job of it, I think. Um, so that's one podcast I listen to a lot. And they also do, I'd include this really quickly. They, they talk, they have like lots of different people come on their show and they interview them about their books they're writing or have written um, and just really helpful material to just understand, you know, where your convictions lie and know better, you know, I guess better know why you hold them. Um, and it's just a great opportunity to learn from them guys in the more intellectual uh, sphere of things. And then another podcast I listen to is Parker Pensy's. Um, it's, uh, it's more of like a philosophical podcast. And half the time I don't understand everything. <laughs> But it's still super helpful and encouraging because he has, Parker, he has all kinds of different guests from wide variety of influences and different perspectives. And it's just really helpful, I think, is just to hear what believers of all kinds of different, you know, places or where believers from all different kind of denominations or ideas are coming from. And it's just, I think, really helpful to get a, you know, a good understanding on the broader perspective of evangelicalism and 
So a lot of times it's heavy philosophy, but it's still very helpful, I think, and just trying to hear them things out and learn from them. So that'd be my second, Parker Pensies, and then probably my third would be... Um, Rooted in Revelation, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or in him. <laughs> uh, your podcast coming up here soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, my own, I couldn't add, but I think... If I was to add a third one that currently exists that isn't new, it would probably be um, uh, Revealed Apologetics by with uh, Eli Ayalas. Uh, he does a lot of like presuppositional apologetics stuff, lots, and he has lots of great guests, people I listen to, people I read um, on his show. And he just talks a lot about apologetic methodology and... He has all kinds of guests come on the show and just talk stuff about defending the Christian faith and answering objections and dealing with different philosophical uh, like ideas and things like that. And he does it from a very, very like practical understanding and take. So it's like super helpful because he helps bring everything down to like a lay person like me, or I, I would consider myself more of a lay person than like an intellectual. I mean, I always hope I get smarter, but. <laughs> Right, and that's right. part that's part of the reason I'm doing this. But so basically you have your theology podcast, you have your philosophy podcast, and then you have your blended apologetics podcast where you take it all together and and you uh blend it for the defense of the face faith and for evangelism. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it, Nick. Thanks for clarifying it that way, because I didn't even think of that. <laughs> sure, sure. No, it's good. That's awesome. Um so the whole podcast thing to me seemed pretty daunting. And I know you put a lot of effort into it just for any aspiring podcasters out there who are, you know, still stuck in from COVID and everything at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, how hard would you say it was to start up your own podcast? What was the hardest part and what has been the biggest benefit so far for you? Hmm. Yeah, I would say the number one hardest part for me was just the commitment aspect of it because i knew once like i think it was the commitment and also part of me of like oh, am i actually equipped to do this and i'm like oh well maybe a little maybe not really you know who am i to barge into the, the listeners lives and tell them what they should think and believe <laughs> kind of a thing but at the same time i realized the biggest hardship i was facing in doing it was I think a lot of it came from fear of what people might think of me. You know what I mean? Fear of like how people might take me and, and a lot of like, just, I guess, fear of man was one of the things that held me back. But I realized at the end of the day, I mean, even if you got critiqued and it was like a valid thing to be critiqued about, well, that's probably actually a good thing. That's like, that's probably actually a really good thing right? <laughs> like critiques meant to make us better and grow. So I'm like, Hey, well, if I get any of those things from my brothers and sisters in Christ, I was like, well, that's not something to really be scared about. That's something that's actually encouraging because they're part of that journey. They're part of helping me grow as well. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, and I think, I think that's going to be inevitable too, because like you mentioned, there are so many different you know, believers in so many different theological positions that you're never going to say something that everybody agrees with. Right. And uh, as somebody who, you know, built their theology in a hostile environment to Calvinism, um, you know, I've learned that when you 
develop your theology amidst people that are challenging it, you know, you really grow in it in a unique way that, that really only comes with adversity. So yeah, I I'm willing to bet you'll grow from this if that happens. Yeah, I think I will. And if anything, it'll either deepen my convictions or help me balance them out better. You know, it's like a win-win. So I'm excited about it. And I'm, I'm personally, I'm just super excited to, to learn and to be able to teach others what I'm learning. And then for others just to kind of join this journey I'm on personally. Right. So yeah, that's, what's exciting about it. So one of the things that I really appreciated about this podcast that, uh, that you made, and I think something that's so important for a podcast is the name. And, uh, I bet you spent quite a bit of time, and I think you ended at uh, a very apropos name. So why why Rooted in Revelation? What does that mean? Yeah, that's um, what could mean lots of things, but I'll try to, try to share with you my authorial intent behind it. <laughs> um, How biblical of you. <laughs> yeah, so hermeneutical. But uh, jokes aside, like, yeah. So, so like, so the idea behind the name Rooted in Revelation really comes from my own leanings and bent towards presuppositional apologetics. I'm not a huge advocate of the name presuppositional apologetics, honestly. I prefer, like, covenantal apologetics or revelational epistemology, you know, different words that describe really this—it's still under the same umbrella, but widely known, it's still— considered presuppositional apologetics. That's how everybody knows the name, just like they would know the name of classical apologetics or evidential apologetics. It's just kind of like the norm, right? Um, sure. But that's a little rant besides the point. But like, so the idea behind Rooted in Revelation is wanting to make my podcast, and as I see other people's podcasts growing, is this idea of, you know, this full-on, like, can you know, we're just full on committed to this idea of like God's revelation, you know, apart from God's revelation, we cannot really make sense of the world correctly. We can't be consistent. We can't be coherent. We can't understand ourselves, the world or, or our God without, um, his revelation. You know, if we didn't have his revelation through his word, we would be lost. We'd be in the dark. We would be uncertain. We wouldn't, um, you know, really understand anything without someone telling us what everything means. And not right. that, you know, not that God tells us every little thing, whether we should, you know, have hot dogs or steak or, you know, that's not what I it's mean. It's steak. You should <laughs> yeah. always have steak. Well, yeah. If probably. you are given the option. I had steak but, today, actually. <laughs> nice. Well, let me ask you a question real quick, just in case yeah. we have a, a non-church audience here. Gotcha. So when you when you say the word revelation, what are you referring to? Well, I jokingly first would say not the book of Revelation in the Bible, the last book of the Bible, but revelation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's stop right there. He said okay. revelation, not revelations. There's no S. Yeah. Only one revelation. Good. Good. I like that. But go on. Yeah. Yeah. So revelation's idea of God, um, you know revealing himself to his creation and well his creatures mainly that he he speaks and we are to listen to understand the world he's put us in and to understand 
who he is, what this world is, um, you know, and he speaks to many of the broad categories, you know, he talks about, like I just mentioned, who he is, who we are, um, some more practical ideas would be like, what sin is, what salvation is, um, what, what ethics are, um, you know, and revelation is really God giving us what's necessary for us to understand ourselves and the world and himself. I know I kind of said my same thing like a couple of different times, but. So would you say that revelation is the way in which God gives us understanding of him and by extension of understanding who he is, understanding who we are? Yeah, for sure. So the name rooted in revelation, is that revelation you're talking about general or is it maybe special, would you say? I would want to add both. So I would want to add God's general revelation in the created order. um, And I'd also want to add God's special revelation found in his word. So I think the, you know, my idea behind that is to include both. Um, You know, we want to learn about God's general revelation, right? And we also want to know God personally through his special revelation. And part of that special revelation is how we know and come to a knowledge of understanding how we are to be saved, uh, you know, and more concepts that revolve more of our relational aspect to God, where general, general revelation, we get to understand the beauty of God and the different functions of God that might not necessarily mean salvation, but they mean all kinds of other things that point to him. Okay, great. So basically, when we say rooted in revelation, then we're, we're talking about being grounded, being anchored in the truth that God has revealed to us through the scriptures and through the created world. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Way to so, define it. So another question with that, Nate, why is it important that we're rooted in revelation instead of rooted in what Nate or Nick has to say? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it's important that we're not rooted, or it's important that we are rooted in God's revelation and his general and special revelation because uh, what you, Nick, or I have to say ultimately doesn't hold water (laughs) as as much uh, in comparison to God's ability to speak and give clarity and answers to our longings and our questions in life, right? So like what me or you would have to say to someone, if it's not coming from our understanding of what God's already spoken, then it's not going to be much of, of of any value and it's not going to have much of any foundation for whatever that statement or claim we want to make is, if that makes sense. So yep. it's super important to be grounded in God's revelation and not Nick's or Nate's because ultimately if we were to separate ourselves from God's revelation, we can't really make sense of anything. Uh, We have no foundation. We have no ability to truly make sense of this world or to make sense of rationality or morals or, you know, really anything. In his light, we see light, right? Amen, yeah. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Humility has to foster before we can actually properly understand the world and our creator. Amen. Stuff. Yeah. So what, uh, I know that there are going to be a plethora of different 
basically divisions within Rooted and Revelation. Um, can you talk a little bit about what those, what what you think those will look like, uh, some of the different like channels, if you will, of the podcast itself, and uh, what you hope to, you know, put out into the world for the glory of God? Yeah. So like a lot of the stuff we're talking about is a lot of like our foundation, our grounding, where our roots are really at in the podcast. But how that's going to manifest itself is going to be all kinds of different ways, right? Like you're mentioning, like we're going to have, you know, conversations with special guests that will come on the show. Like that would be one aspect of it, um, all within the context of speaking about God, his word, or things that are helpful in the means of getting uh, closer to God or better equipped to understand God. Um, so that would be one aspect of the show, right? And then other aspects of the show, like, for example, um, we'll have conversations with different uh, consistent, I should say, uh, co-hosts and co-guests, if you want to call them that, um, that will come on and we'll talk about all kinds of different things. And some of them areas, you know, I have one thing planned uh, coming that will be me and a friend of mine named Chris will be talking about some more biblical theology ideas, uh, maybe some systematic theology ideas, working through some books together and this kind of talking ideas out loud for you guys and ourselves. And then uh, I also have some stuff coming that will be more practical, stuff that's just more, okay, what's this mean in my daily life? You know, how how does this actually play a role in my daily decision-making and in my way I interact with coworkers or my family? And that's going to be something I'm actually going to be doing with your your friendly interviewer right now, Nick. Uh, that's something we plan on doing together, and we're going to talk a lot about those kind of things. And then, yeah, so they're the two main things right now that I've set up. And then, um, you know, obviously there's going to be much more coming, um, but they're like, the, I would say, the more clear things I'm aware of right now that's definitely coming up. And there's more going on behind the scenes. As You know, this is a new podcast, so I'm still figuring these things out as I go. <laughs> But that's some sure, of the sure. things going on that involve other people. And then some more solo things I plan on doing is I'm actually working through a book currently um, called How to Read uh, by Mortimer. Uh, I think his name's Mortimer Adler. And the book is just really a guide on how to be an intelligent reader. Uh, you know, the activity and the art of reading and things like that. So I hope to take that book. So it's not a Christian book, but it's a helpful book. Um, that I hope to read and understand and then be able to foster and help other people become better readers because I need to become a better reader. <laughs> and then um, also I plan on working through the book of Colossians and talking about that. I think as I mentioned in a previous episode, um, both of these things actually, uh, the how to read a book and working through the book of Colossians. So there are two things I plan on doing solo. Um, apart from other people, but nevertheless, I'll probably still be in contact with people as I do those things as well. Good stuff. I am looking forward to all of your upcoming projects, Nate. I think that sounds really awesome. So yeah, I'm super excited about it. So why don't we uh, transition here a little bit and maybe Maybe get some input, 
you know, towards our other new host of a new show called In Him. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, Nick, and kind of just your idea behind this um, this very creative, I think, exciting podcast that you're starting up. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So first and foremost, full disclosure, had Nate not started doing his thing, I wouldn't have started to do mine. I've always wanted to podcast. I've, I've done one podcast with a friend before years and years ago, mm-hmm. but it just seemed like a lot of work. And, you know, you kind of helped me through some of that, getting the initial stages done. So thank you. You know, you encouraged me like you do is my brother in Christ in my local church and uh, even in podcasting here. So it's great. My name is Nick. I am a Christian. I've been a Christian for about 13 years now. I am married with four children. I work full-time in insurance. And in my spare time, I like to spend time with my kids. I like to read. I like to fellowship with believers and serve the Lord in whatever capacity he has for me. Um, Right now, I'm taking some courses through the Log College, um, the L-O-G, Log College, uh, which is a free undergrad and seminary program. So if anybody, you know, thinks they can't afford seminary, there are options out there. I believe there's another one called Pilgrim. Um, so if you have questions about that, reach out. I'll be glad to get you some information. But uh, yeah, I'm just a normal guy uh, doing normal things, layman. And um, I decided that I wanted to make a podcast about about hymns and about worship through song because it's something I've been involved in for pretty much the 13 years I've been a Christian leading music in some capacity or another with the worship team, music team at church. So yeah, I I wanted to make a podcast that was focused around helping people kind of understand some of the pitfalls that will make it harder for them to worship. I know that having four kids living 45 minutes away from church, um, you know, having a generally busy life with family living all around and trying to prioritize all the things we have to, it's not always easy to be focused and, uh, you know, prepared to come to church on Sunday morning and and listen to the sermon and sing for the glory of God. So uh, basically my podcast is going to be going over some practical tips on how to focus on the theology and history of a song, like when you're singing it so that you're more engaged it and you can't just zone out. Uh, I'm going to go over whatever I have available for the history of the hymn, uh, the theology in the hymn, and then some of the context surrounding uh, the history of the theology and uh, how that should inspire us to worship and how that should help focus our attention to the worship of God instead of zoning out, you know, when we were standing there supposing to be worshiped supposing supposed to be worshiping sorry no you're good yeah that's excellent and i'm super excited about it nick and i think what's going to be so helpful is like so for me as another lay person on our local church we go to it's easy to go to church and hear these songs that you at times hear like week after week right but like you don't really know the story behind them and you don't really know the theology behind the songs other than what you're just seeing on the screen right other than yeah. just being like, oh, I've heard this song like 
a hundred times, you know, Amazing Grace by John Newton or something like that. But like what I think super incredible about your idea and what you want to do is because like you're actually kind of peeling the onion back and being like, okay, like what is, what is this, what, you know, it's kind of like, it reminds me of hermeneutics. It's like, who was the audience at the time? Um, who, who's the writer? What was his current situation like? And like, what would have this, what would have this meant to potential hearers? And it's exciting to hear that because I don't think, I mean, I've never heard of anything like it, so I'm excited about it. And I think it would be cool too, if you could talk like a little more about, um, and like, I guess just ways that you hope to edify and build up our worship of God through these hymns by giving us kind of like a biography of them. Yeah, that's, that's essentially my intention. So Mm -hmm. like, if we just, I just pulled up a hymn, you know, blessed assurance. It's the one that came to mind. And by the way, when I say hymn, I don't just mean hymns that were written in, you know, a different century. I'm talking about hymns that are written modern hymns that are written that are older, um, I think there's a rich history that we have with connection, rich history and connection we have to previous generations through older hymns. But there are tons of good hymns that are being written today by a plethora of writers, which is a blessing. But um, yeah, my goal is to do it by not overloading anyone. I know that we're all busy and, you know, I want to make it digestible. I'm hopefully going to make each podcast, each episode in the podcast between five to 10 minutes. Um, You know, kind of like your goal is to make it feel like you're sitting across the table from me. We're just having a conversation, not like I'm lecturing or teaching. Um, But just real quick, I haven't done any review of this hymn, but let's just look at the theology. Because I I know that when I'm, unless I've considered it beforehand, I, I have a hard time singing and thinking about the theology. So blessed assurance, blessed assurance, Jesus is a mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. So just in those first two lines, blessed assurance, you know, a doctrine that's oftentimes not understood well in the church today. You know, a lot of people, myself included, when I was a new Christian, struggled with that assurance of faith. But This is a hymn affirming that we do have assurance. And for the believer who might not be as familiar with assurance, you know, if they sing something like this and they're critically thinking as they, as they sing it, hopefully they would be stirred to go to the word. Um, and, and again, in the podcast itself, I'll go over, you know, some more of the specifics for assurance, but blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. So it's a, it's a taste of glory before we are in glory. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. So we're talking about the gospel talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about being atoned, and then we get to the chorus, you know, the, the refrain, the big, the big uh, exuberant thing that we're, that we're singing about. This is my story. This is my song. And it's not about me. It's about praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So it's not his story, our story in our song. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And and it's about that assurance we have in him. And then the other verses go on to talk about different, different aspects of the Christian life. Um, But, you know, when I, when I stand up in my, in my pew to sing, I'm not always thinking about the deeper truths of assurance, atonement, uh, you know, the spirit residing within me in all these things. 
sometimes I'm finding myself drawn away by the cares of the world and other things that I've brought to church with me. And I think that as we train our minds to, to think about the theology that is in the songs that we're singing, it helps us to rejoice in the work that God has done because it's so wonderful. And you, you, we shouldn't be able to sing these words while being checked out or passively. We should be singing with exuberance, kind of like Psalm 150 talks about. Yeah, that's that's really good, Nick. And I, yeah, that's just so great because it's like the same way we would meditate and chew on Scripture is the same way I feel like you're kind of bringing out these uh, the theology and history of these psalms that's, or uh, I'm sorry, hymns that... <laughs> What is so helpful because it's like, you know, when we're coming in the worship, you mentioned like, you know, oftentimes we bring in the cares of the world with us or we kind of just kind of sit there and we're passively half paying attention. But like, I think what you're doing is going to be so phenomenal, especially, I mean, for me personally, it's going to help awaken my, my, um, you know, my spirit to truly, that sounds kind of funny to say spirit, but I guess just my, my being to the awareness of, oh, wait, this isn't just like this normal random thing happening in my day. Like, no, these things, I actually understand the implications of them because of, of, of things that you're doing to help me process what these hymns are really about and the theology behind them and the history behind them will really help them make them a lot more authentic and genuine and be able to experience uh, the Lord in a refresh way through those songs and hymns and to be able to praise him and glorify him in that moment with the corporate body all the more, you know, and that's just super exciting um, of that, just of what you're doing here. I think it's incredible. And I think yeah, it's just so unique, you know, I've never heard of anyone coming up with this kind of idea. And I think, you might be a loner on it, but it's going to be an extraordinary journey, I think, for you and the listeners, me being one of them. Yeah, music is really important. Um, I think it's really indicative of the health of a church. I think it's in Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. It's like in one of the first chapters of the, of the thicker volume, at least the older one that I have, where he talks about being able to determine where a church will be in 10 years based on the music they're singing. Because the music we sing, it, we all know that we're supposed to be gospel-centered, right? Like, the, we know the buzzwords. We know that we have right. to conform to those things. And those are but the things that we allow to go into the worship through song and the service are indicative of the more passive things. Because realistically, I don't think a lot of churches are, are vetting the music completely. I think a lot are. But, like, if you have a church that's singing songs that are contrary to the theology that, that might be in their doctrinal statement, you know, probably over time it, that, that doctrinal statement isn't going to be the doctrinal statement anymore in line with what was being sung. Um, at least I think that's what Grudem was, Grudem was getting at. And, you know, is somebody who is more involved in the music ministry at church being aware of what we're singing and the value in the theology of what we're singing and how that should be affecting us. I guess I just think about those things a little bit more, you know, than somebody who's not involved in the music. But ultimately, you know, it's not about us. It's about glorifying God. So the songs that we are singing about God should be 
accurately reflecting his character and who we are in light of that truth. So, you know, passionate about music. I think it's really important. And I hope that it is edifying. I hope that I can do a good job. It's, it's a little bit daunting. You know, I think about other podcasts that have creative teams of like people that look up resources and, and gather information. And it's just me. I'm, I'm going to be trying to do that on my own. And I have a few books and, you know, I'll use Wikipedia, but um, I, I don't think I'll get tons of history in every one, but at least we know when it was written, who it was written by, and, and maybe we can give some context to that. You know, a song that was written about the, about God being bountiful and plentiful that was written in the great depression, as opposed to like the great awakening, you know, it, it says a little bit more about their current circumstances in, in the condition of their heart because they were going through so much adversity and they're, they're praising God in a storm and confirming that even though everything that's happening to them at that time is bad and, and they they're scarce, God is the God is abundant still. So I, th- I think understanding some of that stuff will, will be refreshing to our hearts. Oh. Yeah. And I think you're right on the money. I think it really will be. I was wondering too, Nick, if you could maybe touch on like, okay, so you're a musician. You've kind of mentioned going along the lines of talking about this, this podcast you're starting. I wonder if you could kind of maybe give us an inside look on, you know, why you value music the way you've just mentioned. And maybe, um, maybe some of the things that maybe people that don't play music, maybe see the, um, you know, the beauty of, of something that you want to kind of communicate to them from your perspective. What were some, maybe what are some things that you would kind of say about uh, how you value music and maybe how we may value music the way you're seeing it? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know that I've ever thought about it in, in a systematic kind of a way like that. But I mean, when I think about music just off the top of my head, you know, you see music, you know, in visions of heaven you know, is a part of the worship of God and, you know, all the saints will, I, I believe in the scriptures, it talks about the uh, singing praise to God. So, you know, music is definitively from the scriptures, um, a part of our worship to God. So it has value immediately if we believe that the scriptures are true. So like, I, I think that first and foremost, we, we can hang on that. Um, I think in the old Testament, you see quite a bit, obviously we are in the new Testament some things are different, but, you know, when I think about, you know, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back and, and David is, you know, dancing around in the ephod, you know, I just imagine he was doing that with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength to the glory of the Lord because they just brought the Ark back and there were instruments and praise. And, you know, I, I think that when you look at the Old Testament and when you look at the New Testament, you, you consistently see the people of God using music to worship God. And they were commanded in the Old Testament to use music to worship God. And you continue to see that in the new. So, so it's prevalent. It's there. It's important. But God has just wired me in a way to love music. Um, I have some friends who are like engineers and, you know, they think space is really cool and they're interested in, you know, things outside of, you know, the earth's atmosphere. And, you know, I, I don't like space. Like space is kind of weird to me. It's scary. It's unknown. It's so far beyond my comprehension that it's like, yeah, God created that. That's awesome. I can appreciate the stars in the night sky, but 
I'm never going to go study astrology. I'm never going to study black holes. I'm never going to study other planets. Because to me, I'm just not, I'm not wired that way. And just like some of my friends, you know, that they like to sing praises to God. They know it's important. They know it's commanded uh, to make a joyful noise. But um, yeah, they, they just, uh, they don't have that same kind of passion for, for, you know, music in that way that, I do. And I, and I think that that's biblical. I, I mean, if you look in Exodus, you know, the Lord empowers his people to do his work and the Lord gives gifting to certain people, you know, we're all different body parts. We all serve different functions and it's good that we don't all have the same exact passions. So I think I answered the question. Yeah. Okay. I think that's very helpful that you touched on them things, especially like bringing out the idea of like, you know, the body has many different members and different functions. And I think that's so important to keep in mind is, you know, as we all grow together into mature stature, you know, towards Christ to be more like him. And one of the things I think is beautiful too, is just the idea behind the fact that we all are different and are all, you know, differently inclined, but that's what makes the gospel so beautiful is it brings all them things together and they all function towards a unified thing, which is Christ, but it also brings diversity, right? And I think that's an incredible thing. I had one more question for you, if you wouldn't mind answering. Why do you think lyrics play such an important role for us, whether good or bad? So what I mean by that is like, so obviously we all know like Christian music is edifying, it's good for our souls. What were, what would be some of the things that you would maybe warn us about of maybe music that isn't pointing towards Christ? Um, and maybe like the balance between, you know, what we would call like secular music and then like Christian hymns. Could you say something yeah. about that maybe? Yeah. I love jumping into controversy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, so full disclosure, I don't listen to much music that is not Christian anymore. If I do, it's like bluegrass and it's kind of out there and there's not a whole lot of, you know, Christian music in that genre, but it's very morally, it's very amoral, you know? So I think with anything, we have to look at it, you know, can I glorify God with this? There are certain things that we cannot glorify God through. So, um, you know, pornography. You can't glorify God through pornography. So you can never use that as a medium to glorify God or engage in those activities or in any way and, and glorify God. So, you know, immediately something in that category that is sinful it is out. So if I have a song that I love, you know, musically, like the beat is really whatever, the kids are calling it hot or whatever. You know, if, if I have a song that I just really like, you know, but the lyrics are very anti-Christian, uh, which, you know, most secular music realistically nowadays is, at least if it's mainstream, um, you know, I, I would encourage the believer to be very discerning. I would encourage them to avoid music that is promoting and encouraging the things that Christ died on the cross for, um, because that's not honoring to God, that's not honoring to Christ, and that's sin. I think if you look at music from a different era, like R the band Rush, uh, they had a lot of songs that were more like stories. Um, 
Yeah, there was a song that Rush wrote about the trees in the wood. And it's weird because, like, we don't have much connection with trees in the wood, but it's telling a story about, you know, certain trees and other trees that are in the forest as well and not getting as much sunlight and being in the shade. And it's like, why, why, why do I like that? Why is that a good song? Well, I can listen to that song because it's not promoting ungodly things. It's not promoting sin. It's in that category where I can still engage in it, appreciate the artistry because God did bless people. God does bless people with talents and gifts, whether or not they intend to use those things to glorify him. I can still appreciate the musicianship of that person and the gifting that they have. Um, and I can take that and I can benefit from it. So, you know, if there's a non-Christian who has a lot of talents that, you know, ultimately the Lord has given them and I learn some of the things from their talent and I improve upon it for Christ, I'm being a good steward of my gifting and their gifting by extension. So, you know, I, I don't think there's harm in appreciating content that is not inherently sinful and then using that to build off of it for Christ. Um, I think that using music uh, that is very Christian, that, that does encourage us in the Lord is very helpful. You know, we, we talk about preaching the gospel to ourselves and that's super helpful as somebody who struggled with anxiety at times in my life. And, you know, looking at the Psalms, like Psalm four, I think it's 42 and 43 where David encourages his soul, you know, oh, my soul, why are you downtrodden? Why are you doing these things? You know, he's preaching the gospel to himself. He's preaching hope to himself, basically. And that's great. Not saying that's bad. Definitely do that every day. But if you're listening to music that is consistently pointing you toward Christ, it's not necessarily the same as continually preaching the gospel to yourself, but you're continually exposing yourself <clears throat> to music that's glorifying to God it's going to encourage you in Christ. It's going to build you up. And, and, you know, it's like Philippians, you know, Philippians for what, whatever is honest, whatever is good, you know, think on these things, you know, we shouldn't be focused on the things that are sinful. We shouldn't, you know, entrench ourselves more maybe in things that are, you know, amoral, like, you know, that rush song, then the Christian content, then the scriptures, because, you know, we're, we invest where, we invest in what we think is important. So, you know, ideally in my day, I'm investing more in Christ than anything else. And that can manifest itself in music, can manifest itself in money and how I'm spending it. It can manifest itself in time. And I think that, I think that the way we steward our use of music is a very integral part of our Christianity, just like everything else. You know, there is nothing that's really divorced from our faith in Christ. There is nothing that's divorced from our Christianity. You know, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm constrained to not do certain things and to, and to love the things of Christ. And that's not a burdensome constraint. That's a blessed constraint that I have. So again, I'm not sure if I really answered the intent of the question, but it's kind of a long answer. So no, that's what I was looking for. And I think that was a really good answer. And yeah, this is exciting, Nick. And um, for all the listeners, might be wondering yeah me and nick actually are really good friends in real life and um you know i started a podcast and it's motivated him to start his own thing too and we both just want to endorse each other and kind of bless each other and these motivations that we have that we believe are from the lord to help equip obviously ourselves go growing but also to equip uh equip you guys that want to journey 
join the journey and story that the Lord's working out in and through us as we develop and grow in maturity in Him. And we're just so grateful for all the listeners. We're so grateful for all the potential supporters and help the people that are coming alongside to, you know, journey on with us. Um, so Nick, what maybe what would be some last remarks that you'd want to make for the listeners regarding your podcast? Sure. I don't know if I said this before. The podcast is on all the major um, podcasting platforms. It's called In Him, uh, I-N, like the word in, then it, kind of a double entendre it's him h-y-m-n so in him instead of in him. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm lame i'm a dad so i have jokes um but yeah if if you like music and if you're interested in learning more about the background of hymns the theology of hymns whether that be ancient or modern um if you're interested in my thoughts about how to prepare your heart for worship and to, and to maybe train your mind to focus more on the words that are being sung so that you don't drift off into that, that blank spot in your mind. Uh, you know, when, when you're singing praise to the Lord, then I welcome you to come and check it out. If you don't love it, I apologize. Uh, you cannot get those five minutes back, but uh, you have my blessing to not listen to any more. So Uh, Just very thankful for Nate, very thankful for anybody who's listening and benefiting from this. And um, I know Nate's goal and hope is that God's glorified and the body is edified and that those that are outside of Christ would hear the gospel and repent and believe. Very thankful for Nate um, and thankful to God for all he's doing. Amen, Nick. And that then concludes our time together. We're so grateful for all you that have listened in and tuned in. Until next time, uh, whether it be in Him or rooted in Revelation, we welcome you guys aboard and blessings in Christ.